Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Two and two. Little blue pit into center. Line to third, and there's Rivera. And Merrill Kelly, seven innings of one run, three hit ball against a first place Brewers club. He has been outstanding tonight. He's had some solid defense behind him. It's eight to one Diamondbacks. On the second goes Samad Taylor, and here comes Kevin Cash with a trainer in Joe Ben. So they don't like the lack of velocity tonight. You can see Kevin Cash looking right into the eye of Shane McClanahan. He does not want to leave the ball game. So we're not quite sure of the issue, but Joe Brenge is going to leave with him. Well, we're 2-2 in the fourth inning, and the Rays' top pitcher is departing the ball game here on this Thursday night against Kansas City. Once again, the 3-2 pitch, and a fly ball hit to center. He hit it well. Back of the warning track, back of the wall, and it is gone, for Corbin Carroll, a three-run shot, three-nothing Diamondbacks. Boy, is that good to see. That ball was blasted. And a high pop-up behind the plate. Marino back as he got a play. Near the screen, and he's got it, and the Diamondbacks have got to win. And they beat the Rays in the first game of this three-game set by a final score of 8-3 to three with a long ball. And haven't been historically the tallest guys on the floor, right? I mean, think about our own Sir Charles. Ish Wainwright cues up the long three. It's some late-night banking for Ish. Ish, you can't give it away, man. Well, Josh Walker faced three batters, allowed a walk, single, another walk. Jeff Brigham threw a ground ball. The error by Beatty allowed a run to score. They didn't get an out. The bases remain loaded. Nobody out. Brigham sets. The payoff pitch to Marsh is low ball four. It forces in a run. The Mets lead is cut to six to five. And the bases remain loaded with nobody out. Jeremy Hefner, the Mets pitching coach, is on his way to the mound. Here's the pinch. Swing, and there's a high drive into the left center field. Back is Merrifield. Back at the warning track at the wall, and it's high off the wall. Coming in to score is Jock Peterson. Racing around third. Here comes the throw home, the slide. Safe! It's a two-run double for Tyro Estrada getting Peterson and Davis home. Giants three, Blue Jays nothing. Two down, nobody on. Last of the night, the pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck it out for the high fastball. And the Giants take game one and another win. 13 wins in their last 15 for the Giants as they beat the Blue Jays to start this series and this road trip. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Wednesday, June 28th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7, the Diamondbacks rank their importance to add starting pitching with Tampa Bay. Does it have enough healthy starting pitcher, uh, pitching, he tried to say, to win the World Series? Back to the Diamondbacks, what stood out during last night's win over the Rays? 
The Suns is Ish Wainwright a good backup? The Mets should Buck Showalter be blamed? The Giants are they a good team or just a team that is currently hot? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15, we'll have a Tampa Rays update uh, with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. 9.30, it'll be uh, interactive action at 602-260-1060. And also the local roundup, that'll include more Diamondbacks and Rays analysis from Tuesday. Busy day transactions-wise for the Diamondbacks, we'll get into that too. And in the final segment of the sports, that'll be the National Roundup. That'll be topped from the MLB scoreboard. Then we'll start with the NL West teams from last night. Then after the sports zone from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, which will include more phone call time. All right, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And today's question is, rank the level of the Diamondbacks' urgency to add starting pitching before the trade deadline with Merrill Kelly now going on the injured list. And we've given you the options, high, moderate, or low, uh, for the urgency level. And Kayla's here and has the early returns. High, out in front at 100% of the vote. Whew. Okay, not exactly uh, you know, an even voting there. Uh, Kelly went on the injured list yesterday. I'll have much more as far as details on that in the local roundup segment at the bottom of the hour. All right, today's Twitter poll question. Uh, do the Tampa Bay Rays have enough healthy starting pitching to win the World Series? And Kayla, what do we have here? No, leading the way at 57.1% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 42.9%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. The Rays have lost Jeffrey Springs for the rest of this season after Tommy John surgery. And Drew Rasmussen is on the 60-day injured list with, with a forearm strain. Uh, so we'll get more on that in the next segment with Mark Topkin. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks jumped out to uh, an early lead last night and held on uh, to beat the Rays. Arizona jumped off to a 5-0 lead, and Zach Gallen overcame a bad second inning to record another win at Chase Field for him and for the Diamondbacks. Uh, what stood out during the Diamondbacks' 8-4 victory last night over the Rays? Also on the local front, the Suns are keeping Ish Wainwright. Uh, the Suns exercised the $1.9 million option on Wainwright's contract for next season. Is Ish Wainwright a good backup on a good team? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, the Mets' high profile is uh, high, high payroll, excuse me, and the team is underperforming. Uh, that might be the, the, like one of the biggest understatements of my career. Uh, how much should Buck Showalter be blamed for the Mets' awful season to date meanwhile the giants are still undefeated this month on the road that's pretty impressive and the month's almost over last night the giants won another bullpen game they won 3-0 at toronto shut out the jays who until last week were one of the two teams in baseball not to be shut out so far this season the diamondbacks by the way right now the only team not to be shut out this season back to the giants however are the Giants good or just a team that is on a hot streak? 
Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We have totally tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category, so whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by a Tampa Rays, a Tampa Bay Rays update uh, discussion about the best team in baseball to date with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, we'll get into a lot of the uh, things that we discussed there in the pipeline, the pitching injuries, etc. Get into more detail about that, the Wander Franco benching from last week, and more with Mark, and uh, looking forward to that. Now, and then once again at the bottom of the hour, it is phone call time, general discussion, 602 260 1060 also at the bottom of the hour, the local roundup top by some Diamondbacks and Rays Tuesday night analysis. As I mentioned, the Diamondbacks, an active day yesterday roster-wise. We'll update you on that in that bottom of the hour segment. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD2 100.7. KDUSAM 1060 into your home with Alexa. Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUSAM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open the KDUSAM 1060. This is where I start my day. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. This is your home of the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Diamondbacks beat the Rays last night at Chase Field in the opener of the three-game series, matching first-place teams. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. And for the latest on the Rays, we're now joined in the sports zone by Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Mark, good to have you on the show once again. It's been a while. Not bad on that. Uh, let's start with last night. The Diamondbacks ambushed Taj Bradley for five runs during a 40-pitch first inning. How would you describe Bradley's, I think it's safe to say, inconsistent rookie season? He's a 22-year-old top-pitching prospect, etc. Yeah, it's been an interesting year. Uh, he was not really supposed to be on the big league team this year. They had a couple uh, injuries early in the season. They brought him up. They told him he was going to make one start. Uh, he did. It went well. Then someone else got hurt, and they said, hey, come back. Come back. Hang around a little bit longer. Uh, made a couple more starts. Uh, looked like things were going well. Then they sent him down to the minors. and said they wanted to work on a few things. I think there were some contractual benefits or service time benefits to that move as well and then they brought him back and they thought they had a kind of struggling through uh, some inconsistencies with some other guys still in the rotation and said you're our best young pitcher come back up stick around you're going to be here for a while and he's done really well I and mean, then last night uh you, you, you saw literally probably his worst start it was followed his best start uh five days earlier so that's part of as you said the inconsistency of a young pitcher uh and i think what 
kind of got him in trouble last night with just falling behind so much, but something we haven't seen too often. So uh, see how he shakes back, you know, bounces back, shakes it off kind of thing. But give up the four home runs uh, was definitely surprising to give up four runs before he got an out was definitely surprising. Really stuff we we hadn't seen from him. Yeah, I believe he'd only given up five home runs the whole season until last night. Uh, yep. Meanwhile, with the, the Rays starting rotation injuries, is it imperative that Bradley be effective for the long haul this season? And how might they manage his innings for the rest of this season? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and I think um, it's funny. The Rays are always known for their pitching depth and, and all the different creative ways and, you know, inventing the opener a few years ago and all that. But uh, pitching depth, starting pitching depth is probably uh, number one or 1A on their to-do list here going into the trade deadline because they lost Jeffrey Springs for the year. They lost Drew Rasmussen for potentially the whole year, certainly a few months. Tyler Glass now missed the first two months, and he's been a little, a little inconsistent since he's been back. Uh, they just don't really have anyone else at AAA at this point. I think they're going to have to get some depth because, yeah, to rely on Taj Bradley as a 22-year-old and expect him to get through the whole year. Shane McClanahan, their best pitcher, left his last start uh, with a sore back. He's been pushed back. He would have pitched here. He's now pushed back to pitch Friday in Seattle. Um, Zach Eflin, who they signed as a free agent, has an injury history. He's been healthy for the most part. He missed a few starts early in the year. So it is. It's a little bit patched together. It's a little bit uh, uncharacteristic of the race. I have the depth behind it. So I think they're going to have to do something because, as you say, they're going to have to watch innings there. And, you know, Glass now, uh, if they can keep him healthy the rest of the year, they'd be more than happy with that. And then, you know, have McClanahan, Eflin, and some question about Bradley. So it's a little bit, little bit of, uh, I think, from the race standpoint, a little bit of concern there over how that's going to all play out over these next three or four months, and they hope into well into October. You mentioned McClanahan. You know, he left last week uh, with the, uh, the the back situation, and it appears they've dodged uh, a serious uh, injury, uh, you know, long-term thing for at least now. He's been really, really good the last two years, elite the last two years, in fact. Why has he been so effective? I think what, what sets him apart in talking uh, to raise people and to people with other teams is the ability to have four really, really good pitches. Most starting pitchers have three good pitches or two really good ones and one pretty good one. Guys who only have one or two good pitches usually end up relievers, so you have the four versatile, deeper repertoire so you can face the same hitter a number of times in the same game as the starter does. And McClanahan has that. He has four elite pitches. There's a, a comparison that the Rays organization makes more internally because I don't think you'd have, it would have the same national appeal, but similar to what Blake Snell had when he was with the Rays and he won a Cy Young award. And, uh, it's just that power fastball uh, and then the ability to mix the change up, the curve, the cutter, just to have all the different pitches and to be able to catch hitters with different looks. McClanahan has incredible movement. He has incredible power and he has the confidence to throw all those pitches. So that, that's what sets him apart. Uh, you know, obviously as you know, a back issue, it's one of those kind of nebulous things. Is it a one-time yeah. thing and he's fine, or is it something that bothers him going forward? Is it the reason he came out of the game the other night wasn't because no anyone knew his back hurt, his velocity had dropped, and the Rays were obviously very concerned. And as you said, relieved that he said it was just his back was sore. Mark Topkin, the Tampa Bay Times, currently in the Sports Zone. 
You mentioned Rasmussen. He went in the injured list uh, the day after he dominated the Yankees in New York. Uh, any guesses as to what his status might be moving forward here? Yeah, it's funny. A, bit, a bunch of people have been asking lately on social media, which makes me think there must be some kind of fantasy baseball roster deadline, something coming up. <laughs> a lot of people have been asking. Uh, the deal with Rasmussen was eight weeks of total shutdown, then go see the doctor again, and then assuming Ooh. that the images show whatever they want them to show, then literally start as if you know he's never played catch before. Pick up the ball, throw lightly one day, you know, move at 10 feet, then at 20 feet. So until he gets back to the eight weeks, gets to the doctor, gets clear to start throwing again, and then honestly probably another couple weeks into that till he actually starts throwing with some you know velocity and force to know if there's any symptoms or anything. So it's just still in that window of it has, they don't know yet. Okay, as a fantasy baseball owner, I'll, I'll just tell you uh, for your your much-needed information that uh, we are desperate for starting pitchers. Okay, okay. Yeah. It was it was That's... funny. Like within a, like about a week ago, a bunch of people started asking, and I just yeah. thought there must be something coming up. So, gotcha. If there's no deadline I'm aware of, depending on what league you're in, but it's just right. we need we need just people that can throw like Looking five everywhere. innings in a start. Gotcha. You know, it's it's gotcha. insane. Okay, gotcha. I promise I will get to the uh, the uh, dynamic offense here soon. But I want to ask about Eflin. Sure. You mentioned him. He's nine and three with the three thirty five run run average. Why did the Rays target Eflin in the free agency, and why has he been so good? Well, the first question is, that was a mystery uh, to everyone. And, you know, covering the Rays for the Tampa Bay Times, I feel like I usually have some pulse of what they're thinking and what they're doing or uh, some general idea. And if, if we would have talked at the start of the offseason and you would have told me, hey, I, I have a buddy, you know, the Rays are going to sign a player to the biggest free agent contract they ever have. Uh, you just got to figure out who it is. We would have been up all night before I would have ever got to Zach Eflin on that list. So, uh, kudos to them for spotting a guy that uh, they saw the upside in. Uh, you know, health was an issue with Philadelphia, but also, um, and, and this is no secret or, or slamming on the Phillies, but he played in uh, in front of a porous defense for a number of years there, and he played in a small ballpark. So the Rays mm-hmm. thought, you know, had the statistical, you know, wisdom and, and analytical evidence that in front of their defense, which is much much better than the Phillies defense. And in the play, pitching half his games in their ballpark, which typically is not a very uh, offensive-friendly ballpark, should make him better, and it certainly has. And also, he's just a great guy. He is uh, just talking to him. And, and you know, that, does that help you win a game? No. Does it help you be a good teammate and help the team? Yes. And, and he is just a great guy, very empathetic, uh, very much do-whatever-the-team-needs kind of person, and, and they welcome that in their clubhouse. All right. On to the offense, finally. Uh, first in the AL and a lot of things, homers, steals, OPS. What, what, <clears throat> excuse me, what has been most impressive to you about the Rays offense? Well, probably overall, just the depth of it to have the number of players that they have having good offensive seasons. I mean, that home run last night by Jose Siri, he, he leads the team in home runs, which is another bet I would have lost had, had we talked at the start of the season was at the halfway point, who's going to lead the team in home runs. It was definitely not have been Jose Siri on my list. Uh, but what, when you look at some of the individuals, the improvement Randy Rosarena has made to become a full 
full all-around player. He takes a lot of walks now. He'll go the other way with pitches. He's not trying to hit every ball out of the ballpark. And, and also his emergence as a, a, a local, national, and an international uh, fan favorite with his play for Team Mexico in the World Baseball Classic. Um, and, and then, you know, like I said, just going through the depth of it and to see uh, what um, I'm just trying to I just pick different people here. What Isaac Paredes has done, what Yandy Diaz has done, he's going to should start the all-star game and, and his emergence. He's a guy who they've always talked about being a great contact hitter, willing to go the other way, works patient at bats. And, and this is interesting because they signed him to a three-year deal, not for a ton of money, I think it was $25 million or so, three years uh, contract this offseason, but he's never had a long-term deal before. And he was going to be going through the arbitration process. And, and you know, they, they tend to, you know, move on from players who start making more money in arbitration. Uh, and signed him, told him, you're here for a bit. And that allowed him to kind of take some chances at the plate now where he's he's willing to take a cut and try to hit a ball out of the ballpark where in the past he was playing it safe a little bit and punching that ball for a single maybe to right field or, or pulling it down the line on the ground. And suddenly he's hitting with a lot of power, and he's on base percentage. It's been remarkable, even better. But they've gotten so much from so many of those people, and then some lesser-known guys, Harold Ramirez, uh, Christian Bethencourt, the catcher. Taylor Walls got off to a great start. He's pulled offensively. And, and then Wander Franco, who has shown flashes but has really not had a super hot streak yet this year, and, and a guy that you know they feel and continue to feel uh, has the talent to be a superstar player. I'll get to Franco a little more in a second here. First up, the number of home runs they have in a you know what's considered to be a pitcher's ballpark. How have they been able to pull that off? Yeah, that's a little bit of a question, and I know it's been the subject of uh, some some people in the media industries uh, fun fun little poking around on that and, and wondering, questioning it. But I think what you've seen is a bunch of hitters or a group of hitters that, in changing, <clears throat> as I mentioned with Diaz, changing their approach a little bit. And just the confidence that they play off each other. Because it, it seems like when they hit home runs, they hit two or three <clears throat> excuse me, in every game. And that, that, I think, is a group, kind of a groupthink effort. Uh, and, you know, talking to the hitting coach, he says it's really just been a remarkable difference in how they took to the lesson. They got humbled last year. They were really bad offensively last year. Their playoff ended in two games where they scored one run on a solo homer uh, at Cleveland. So he said it was a very uh, welcoming group of players this year who said when they said we're going to try to change our approach here and that approach was to be more selective at the plate and swing at pitches you can really drive and try to hit the ball either really hard or out of the ballpark and that's worked so far even in Tropicana Field. Talking Rays with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Okay, last week you know Franco was benched for two games. Kevin Cash said over the course of the season there have probably been multiple times that the way he has handled his frustrations have not been the way that we ask our players to uphold being the being the best teammate. What specifically is Cash talking about there? Yeah, there there were a couple things over the course, as he said, of, of a couple months that had built up. Uh, obviously, not privy to everything. Uh, we're you know we're we're around the team as media, but we're not in there. You know that hour and a half, two hours before the game, we're not in there right after. Buses, planes, back rooms, so. We don't see it all, but from what we, or at least from what I heard and talked to people about, found out about, some of which we saw, uh, getting into it with some teammates verbally, including once or twice in the dugout where, like I said, TV caught a snippet of it, you know, yelling at other teammates about things that happen on the field, uh, 
for lack of a better word, throwing major hissy fits after striking out, getting called out, and, you know, slamming bats, throwing helmets, um, things like that. Not um, just not uh, kind of letting things go. In other words, having a bad moment on the field, and then the next at bat, not running out an at bat, not running out a fly ball, a ground ball. Uh, made a mistake uh, in a game in San Diego, I think it was last weekend. It com- made a, compounded it by making another error. Didn't chase after an errant throw that got by him. You know, just kind of more focused on his mistakes. I guess you would assume that was the thought process. But things that a 22-year-old uh, playing in the big leagues for his third year already, and who has always been, you know, touted and considered the greatest prospect, and has eyes on him from everywhere. Those, those kind of things. Yeah, the fact that they did that. How much does this say how unified the organization is and Cash as, you know, the manager and the guy we hear from pretty much every day, right? Uh, yeah. The fact that he's the most heard you know, person in the organization, him coming out and talking about that publicly. Yeah, that was very surprising because, uh, you know, I've covered the Rays all 26 years and certainly uh, since Cash took over as manager in 2015. And I could only think of one time uh, in his tenure when he disciplined a player publicly. Uh, actually, has an Arizona connection. He took Steven Souza Jr. out of a game for not mm. hustling. His, I think it was in his second year in 2016. He didn't. And in his post game, we asked Cash, "Why did you take him out?" And he goes, "Oh, just internal. You know, not going to say keep it in house." But then talking to Souza afterward, he did as you know. You, as a journalist, you appreciate. He said, "No, he took me out of the game because I didn't hustle. He told me I wasn't setting a good example." Da 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 da. And Ca- you know, Cash kind of said then in, to himself, but you know, just hearing this from others, that he, he just didn't like the way that played out. He didn't like that being a subject of conversation in the clubhouse for a couple of days, being subject to media. So they w- he wasn't going to do things like that publicly anymore. So it was. You're absolutely right. It was. It was bold. Uh, it was different. It was surprising that they were public with it. They could have just as easily said, told Franco to stay home for a couple of days and told him they were going to tell the media he had a stomachache or, you know, wasn't feeling well or something. So uh, it, it was done for a reason. It was obviously done in you know, uniform, uh, the whole organization in agreement on this. They are a very communicative organization. This wasn't anything just Kevin Cash went rogue on or, or anything like that. And uh, they had many discussions top to bottom and decided this was the best move. And, and I think part of that, Bob, really was this was a disciplinary action against Wander Franco, but this was also a message to the rest of the team that the management saw what was going on. They saw he wasn't doing things right, and they were going to say something. They were going to take action. So the rest of the team knew that nobody, including the young star who has the $182 million contract, was above the rules. Last up, you mentioned the trade deadline roughly a month away. Uh, you mentioned starting pitching. Uh, you know, any idea of a couple of guys? I saw it's really tough because of the way that this season's going in baseball. I don't have a clue who's a buyer or a seller, but any idea what kind of guys it would pinpoint? And how tough is it for the Rays to actually make a trade these days because it seems like they have a – uh, let's say, upper hand on the majority of the trades they made over the years. <laughs> you mean their reputation precedes them and, and certain teams hang up the phone when they call, right? Yeah, back to my 
back to my fantasy baseball thing. Yeah, Whenever they do right. something like I tried to get Eflin, and I didn't even yeah. like Eflin before this year. Right, <laughs> right. You're like, oh, the Rays like him. I should get him. Right. No, we were. They made exactly. a small trade. They made a small trade a couple weeks ago with Pittsburgh to get a reliever. And, yeah. Uh, it was just weird. The Pirates organization, is, from what I understand, is usually very tight-lipped and uh, about information getting out stuff and. Like all their media had to trade before the Rays announced it, so it was it was leaked from that side. And somebody said their speculation was they wanted to get to their media ahead of time and tell them, "Don't write this as another trade after the Chris Archer thing. This is all thing. Don't worry about <laughs> oh, that's it." That's like, right. <laughs> we're a preemptive strike, but look, I, I think uh, the start. If, assuming they get a starting pitcher, I think that's going to be just a, a mid-level type depth guy to be. Maybe, you know, that fourth guy or potentially even just a fifth guy who can also swing into the pen just to provide that depth, but also that could step in if they have another injury. I don't think that's going to be a flashy name. You're not, it's not going to be Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer or, or anything like that. But I do think that they're also going to look for a reliever who can have some impact because the, they've been vulnerable at the back end of games. Uh, they've got a closer who when he's healthy, can be really good, but has been on the injured list twice this year, Pete Fairbanks, and has, uh, for people who have this, it's, it's not something to joke about, Ray Nod syndrome, where his fingers get numb in cold weather, and unfortunately, the baseball playoffs are often played in cold weather, and he wasn't able to pitch in Cleveland last year because of that, so they've got to have you know some practical concern over that. Jason Addison is very inconsistent, um, so I think they're going to look for uh, some middle to high leverage relief help as well. Now, typically... You know, the Rays do win a lot of trades. They also typically don't compete for the biggest-name guys. They get these under-the-radar type guys, Bob, as you alluded to, and they have kind of a, a really deep, almost a treasure trove of uh, infield prospects this year, position player prospects. Usually they're deep in pitching. They're deep in a lot of infield prospects, a lot of guys who have hit really well in the minor leagues. So they've got the cachet. Talking to the general manager, he says uh, they've got the backing of ownership to spend uh, some money to take on some salary if necessary, kind of a – I believe Pete Benix is the GM. I think his quote, and not verbatim, but was, we feel like this is a team that can do some special things. We want to do everything we can to give it every chance to win a World Series. All right, Mark, we appreciate it. I think we're covering, uh, at least to me, the two most fun teams to watch on a daily basis. So keep having fun. Yeah, very fun. It was just a quick aside. It was fun catching up with Evan Longoria last night, too, who was obviously the most, uh, yeah. the most successful and best player in race history. Yeah, very cool. Thank you. Appreciate it as All always. Right. And um, sure, we'll be catching up, catching up later in the season because they're not going anywhere. So thanks. Sounds good. Sounds good, Bob. Mark, Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. And always like uh, talking to Mark over the years. And hasn't, uh, it's my bad, we haven't talked to him enough here in the last year or two. A lot of stuff going on <laughs> in the world in general and my life also. All right, next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also today's local roundup, a little more from the game last night. Diamondbacks obviously had uh, quite a day in the transaction world yesterday, and we'll try to get into that a little bit in the next segment. A little bit from last night's game, and for a game that you know had you know a lot of runs scored, um, it, 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 you know twelve runs scored in the game, but really not that much if you get past the first couple innings. Uh, so we'll get into that a little bit. Zach Gallon, an interesting start, needless to say. Uh, but I think a successful start considering all the circumstances. So a little bit on Levin Ligori in the next segment, too. If you want to get in, phone call time, 602-260-1060. 
Also, don't forget the extra point coming up in the next two hours, hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon. All that right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castellux HD 2 100.7. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time if you want to jump aboard, but you got to kind of hustle up. Uh, we'll have uh, you know, lots of phone call time during the extra point from 10 to noon, hosted by Caleb. But if you want to get in right now, 602-260-1060. This might be a little shorter segment than usual. Last night, or actually, let's just say yesterday, certainly eventful for the Diamondbacks. Merrill Kelly placed on the 15-day injured list with a blood clot in his left calf, or in his right calf, excuse me, in a calf, one of the two. Uh, and the uh, Diamondbacks won the battle of first place teams. They beat the Rays eight to five, eight to four, excuse me, at Chase Field. Uh, the Diamondbacks' first four hitters reached base and scored against Taj Bradley. Geraldo Perdomo hit a single. Cattell Marte walked. Corbin Carroll hit a three-run homer, and Christian Walker added a solo homer. Meanwhile, Zach Gallen took the mound to begin the second inning with a uh, 5-0 lead, but he allowed four runs in the second inning. But Gallon did not allow another run and made it through six innings. Uh, he's now 8-0 and zero at home this season. He is 14-1 in his last 15 decisions at home going back to last season. Evan Longoria playing against uh, his, former, his first major league team, homered in the uh, third inning. With that homer, Longoria became the 70th player in MLB history uh, to homer against all 30 active teams. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks had quite a roster shakeup yesterday. Obviously, the big news, as we mentioned, Merrill Kelly on the 15-day injured list with the right calf inflammation. He has a small uh, clot in his leg, uh, Tori Lovello revealed, uh, that uh, Kelly was examined in San Francisco after the start on Sunday. He remained in the Bay Area, excuse me, after Saturday, remained in the Bay Area an extra day because of a, was a precautionary move, um, a move, and Lavello, among other things, said, I think we caught this at the right time. I don't want to put a timetable on it. It'll depend on how he continues to progress. He's already feeling better. Meanwhile, uh, Lavello also added that Kelly may not be sidelined much longer than the 15 days. Now, remember to factor in here, that the All-Star break begins on July the 10th. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks also made other three other roster moves, all pitching moves yesterday, topped by 2022 National League All-Star Joe Mantiply being sent to AAA, uh, something we suggested could happen uh, during Monday's Sports Zone. Mantiply has a uh, 575 earned run average after two more bad appearances last week. In addition... The Diamondbacks recalled relief pitcher Kevin Ginkle from AAA Reno, promoted right-handed pitcher Justin Martinez from AAA Reno. Martinez uh, ranked number 18 on the uh, Diamondbacks prospect list by MLB Pipeline. 20 appearances at, uh, in his last 20 appearances, last being a key word here, 20 appearances at Reno since April the 16th. He's 2-0 with five saves, a 0-39 or run average, 
allowing only one earned run in 23 and a third innings. He's got 31 strikeouts in a uh, in those uh, 23 and a third innings, and the opponents are hitting just 167 against him. All right, just another couple of the quick random things here. The Diamondbacks defense, eye test-wise and uh, numerically, uh, has been really good. Uh, their fielding percentage of 990 is tied for best in the major leagues with the Padres. I think it's safe to say the Padres don't get to nearly as many balls and cover as much ground as the Diamondbacks do infield and outfield. The 29 errors the Diamondbacks have made so far this season. Actually, I'm sorry, that's up to 30 now after last night. Second fewest behind the Padres with 27. Also, the Diamondbacks catchers lead the major leagues with 33 stolen bases allowed. That's the fewest in baseball. They had the most caught stealing at 34% tied with the Twins. However, uh, the previously mentioned Pordomo, uh, Pordomo, who is, I think, been the Diamondbacks to me, he's been their most surprising se- uh, player this season all around. Uh, he committed his first error of the season last night at shortstop. He's been really good. Obviously, he's hit well. He's now leading off, etc. But uh, they, they've been unbelievable uh, defense so far. So, the bottom line, the uh, Diamondbacks took care of business. Uh, the first of the three-game series between the first-place teams. Tonight, uh, Zach Davies, with his 1-4 record and 7.82 earn run average, goes to the mound. The Rays counter with Zach Eflin, who is 9-3 with a 3.35. We talked about Zach Eflin with Mark Topkin from the Tampa Bay Times in the last segment. Uh, Davies has started once in his career. This is one of the, another one of these reasons I hate these things. Uh, he started once in his career against Tampa, didn't allow a run in seven innings, but that start was in 2017 when he was pitching for the Brewers. And there's, to my knowledge, and I didn't have time to go through the entire roster, I'm pretty sure that Tampa didn't have anybody on their in their lineup that day that is currently on their team. Uh, so, you know, the Davies history kind of irrelevant here. All right, so the Diamondbacks are 48-32. Uh, and 32. The Giants and the Dodgers also won last night. So both those teams are two games behind the Diamondbacks in the loss column. The uh, Padres played last night, and they lost uh, again. They lost to the Pirates, and Hugh Darvish didn't, wasn't able to make the start. We'll try to get to as much of the uh, National League West in the next segment as possible. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's show with the National Roundup topped by the latest lineup and uh, line, latest line. Well, I'm not even sure we're going to get to the latest line. We'll definitely get to some scoreboard stuff, the National League West related from uh, last night. Try to get to some injuries. There were a couple of uh, notable injuries in, uh, for pitchers in Major League Baseball yesterday. And uh, we'll also uh, see what else we can do before uh, – see what else uh, – additional damage we can do before we get done with the sports zone. Don't forget the extra point coming up next, hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon. Right now, you are listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7.
we'll do what's best for the team and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. Last night in Major League Baseball, and specifically the National League West, the Giants have now won 13 in their last 15 games. Tyro Estrada hit a two run double and scored a run. Alex Wood and three relievers combined in an eight hitter, and the Giants. Beat the uh, beat the uh, Jays 3-0 in Toronto. That's the 13th win in the last four, 15 games for the Giants. They're also 10-0 in road games in the month of June. Uh, opener Ryan Walker pitched the first. Wood pitched uh, five-plus innings, allowed five hits, walked none, and struck out seven. Also, Taylor Rogers struck out four of the five batters that he faced. And Camilio Duvall, Got the final four outs for his 23rd save and 25 chances. Duval struck out the side in the uh, bottom of the ninth inning. Bottom of the ninth inning, and uh, San Francisco got its seventh shutout victory of the season. Uh, Toronto struck out last night, by the way, a season high 17 times. They left. Uh, they actually were one for 12 with runners in scoring position, and that's just the second time this season, but twice in a week, that Toronto has been shut out this year. Clayton Kershaw continued his outstanding season last night. He had a no-hitter entering the sixth inning at Coors Field. J.D. Martinez homered twice to reach 300 for his career. The Dodgers beat the Rockies 5-0. Kershaw now 10-4, allowed one hit, faced the minimum uh, in six innings. He threw only 79 pitches. He did strike out just two and left with some some discomfort they didn't exactly say what was going on at the end of the game. Um, you know, so we'll see. Obviously, Kershaw's missed uh, basically part of uh, the last X number of seasons with some back issues or something going on. But it didn't seem terribly serious, but we'll see how this goes. Meanwhile, uh, Julio Urias, uh, Dave Roberts said last night, uh, who's uh, been on the injured list with left hamstring strain, has had a couple setbacks. Urea is scheduled to return Saturday at Kansas City. He made his, uh, his one and only, apparently, uh, rehab start last night for Rancho Cucamonga. Always a good day when you get to say Rancho Cucamonga. Uh, Urias last night had eight strikeouts in four innings pitched. Also, Robert said today is going to be a bullpen game for the Dodgers. Uh, Colorado goes against Kyle Freeland, who has been not particularly good. Four and eight with a 454 and run average. Meanwhile, uh, also uh, involving the National League West, uh, Hugh Darvish uh, was scratched from his Tuesday start against the Pirates due to an illness. Bob Melvin uh, said that Darvish actually remained in San Diego as the team started a six-game road trip through Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Melvin said Darvish threw on Tuesday in San Diego and was feeling better but added that Darvish will not pitch during the, at least the three-game series against the Pirates. Alex Manoa, huh, this isn't going well. His demotion, uh, we talked about a lot before he was demoted, and maybe he would be. Well, he was awful yesterday. He allowed 11 runs in two and two-thirds innings in a rookie-level Florida Complex League game. 
This is like the lowest level of minor league baseball there is. That was his first outing since he was demoted earlier this month. He allowed 10 hits, two home runs. This was against a lineup basically comprised of 17 to 19-year-olds. He's gone from American League All-Star and Cy Young finalist last season to this. And he was 1-7 with a 6.36 or a run average and 13 starts before Toronto finally said, we just can't deal with this anymore. Also, the Tigers pitching staff, another injury. Matthew Boyd will have season-ending reconstructive elbow surgery, otherwise known as Tommy John surgery, after uh, his test on Tuesday revealed a, a partial sprain of the uh, UCL of his left arm, and he's a left-handed pitcher. Uh, Boyd has actually been okay at times in his career. 5.45 earned run average this year, uh, and uh, but you know the Tigers are just running out of pitchers. Uh, there's several teams, unfortunately, running out of pitchers, and there's lots of speculation. And there, you know, it's actually been like you know statistically pointed out, especially by the Athletic recently, that we're on a you know I don't know if it's a record pace for Tommy John surgeries, but we're on a you know, the most Tommy John surgeries early in the season that we've ever seen, and a lot of people are blaming the pitch clock for that. I think that's maybe a little extreme. It's possible that's playing a role, but just to blame the pitch clock, I think, is kind of absurd. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But you know, usually it's 12 to 14 months uh, with Tommy John surgery. Uh, so that would seeming, seemingly mean that Boyd is not going to be available for the start of next season. Also, the Diamondbacks tonight wrap up, or, excuse me, play the second of a third game, a three game series. Against the Rays, Eflin goes for Tampa, and Davies goes for the Diamondbacks. And not surprisingly, Tampa on the road, largely because Davies is pitching uh, for the Diamondbacks. Eflin and Tampa, a 155-160 to favorite in that game tonight. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone. Stay tuned. The Extra Points coming up next, hosted by Kayla. Thanks for listening.